0: This episode of Fermented Adventure, the podcast features Alex Chang of the Philadelphia Whiskey Society. He is a certified whiskey ambassador, instructor, and executive bourbon steward. He has an incredible knowledge of all things whiskey and distilled spirits. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to Alex and let him know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. I'd like to welcome Alex Chang to the Fermented Adventure Podcast. Alex is the founder of the Philadelphia Whiskey Society. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Alex, we have so much ground to cover today. Um, we met at an event at the Pyramid Club, and I was, I was just so impressed by your, your whiskey knowledge, um, your passion for whiskey and all things whiskey. And I've been interested and excited about having you on the podcast. So I'm, I'm really glad that you made it today. So how did all this start for you? How did you get started with whiskey? What's, what's the, and what, Where did that all start? Well,
1: I usually like to tell people because I get asked that question quite a bit. I feel like uh, I always tell people it all started with uh, Gentleman Jack, <laughs> Jack Daniels, and uh, I've always been a whiskey drinker, um, you know, as as long as I can remember. Um, when so I'm 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 in my thirties, and uh, I, I went to school in the early two thousands and that was the era of, you know, Sky and Spirnov vodka and we were all drinking tequila, right. Patron, all that stuff, right? And people just loved their clear spirits, right? And I can and I was in the frat too, so um, you know, sometimes we went with like the Bankers Club and <laughs> Old Crow maybe and stuff like that. Whatever fit into the budget, right? <laughs> right, exactly. we were poor students, right? right? Um, but whenever I had a little extra money to spend, I would get a gentleman Jack. And that was kind of like my, uh, elevated whiskey, my elevated spirit at the time when I was, I don't know, in my, you know. You no, 21, I guess. Now, have
0: you been to the Jack Daniels Distillery? Had you at the time? How was it Gentleman Jack that made it to that premium spirit for you at the time?
1: Yeah, no, no. So, I, so you know, when I was in school, I never been to um, Jack Well, I've never yet been to the Jack Daniels Distillery yet. Uh, but uh, it just felt cool. You know, I was like the cool guy at the party with Gentleman Jack, or at least I felt that I was cool because I was, you, drinking, you were cool. <laughs> I was drinking the uh, $30 whiskey. Right. Instead of like the you know the twenty dollar ten or twenty dollar uh, uh, crappy whiskey right, right. so uh, and people liked it and then I I just I always I always enjoy drinking something this a little bit more re, quote unquote refined right even though you know uh, gentleman Jack nowadays is though it's a great whiskey it's not what I would call a you know <laughs> super premium spirit or something mm-hmm. like that um, so it all kind of started with that feeling of oh hey I like to drink. Uh, a little better. I like sharing better spirits with my friends and and people around me, and I like the reaction that people get of, oh, hey, you 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 have you have more than just smearing off for uh, sky vodka today. We're we're drinking some cool whiskey round spirits, right? And then so that kind of carry forward. I always enjoy drinking whiskey, but I never really got re- you know the education and and and. I didn't really dive deeply into it until probably I don't know uh, I would say five six years ago and then um, I started learning more about whiskey learning more about scotch whiskey uh, specifically uh, and also well I was starting my education and and just um, buying more whiskey and tasting more whiskey and then also starting my the fellow whiskey society which which happened
0: about three three to four years ago <clears throat> one of the things I heard you just say was, the reason why you enjoyed that Gentleman Jack in the beginning was being able to share it with friends. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that you were looking to drink it for yourself. It was something where you got to share it with friends. And that seems like from what I get from our conversation and the conversation today is the community and the friendships that you're building all around whiskey and all around drinking something and sharing something from that specific bottle of the day. Yeah. So that, that's interesting that, you know, not even thinking about it probably at the time, but that was that introduction to say, Hey, these are my friends and this is what I want to share and, 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 just, just have pleasure with at the same time.
1: Right. Yeah. And so the camaraderie is definitely a, a, a big part of it. Right. So you have a huge online community right now, whether it's by selling, whether it's just uh, sharing or social uh, groups, but you have groups with 20, 30,000 people on Facebook. That's just all about whiskey right and then so you didn't have this uh you know five years ago even you know you didn't have this uh, definitely didn't have this 10 years ago and or even before that right so whiskey is just experiencing this current huge explosion right um of just people wanting to drink whiskey people wanting to learn more about whiskey and and even more millennials and the younger generation are starting to drink whiskey um why you know. do you think
0: whiskey stands out as you say, for millennials, I mean, I think it's across the spectrum. But I think if you really concentrate, yeah, you're right. Millennials, this is a spirit of choice. Why do you think that is? What What is it about whiskey that has that popularity or well, that presence?
1: Well, historically, whiskey's always been cyclical, or or spirits in general has been cyclical, right? right. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of distilleries back in the uh, 80s, 90s closed down just because people just weren't drinking whiskey. People started to drink more beer. People started to drink more wine in the United States. But, you know, uh, between, you know, uh, World War Two and, and everybody coming back uh, up until maybe the 70s or so. People were drinking a ton of American whiskey, right? That's what people love. And then so you had a And then whole, the bottom fell out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then so so you had the seventies come around where everybody was very rebellious, you know, you got the hippie movement. And so any, any so you had you had that entire generation of folks essentially saying, Oh, hey, I wanna be different. I wanna I don't wanna drink what my dad drank.
0: You're the first person that related that to the hippie generation <laughs> but you're right we right, didn't want right. to drink what was on our parents bar right exactly. we wanted to create our own bar and our right. own experience right exactly yeah exactly
1: and then so um and plus there was just more options right so you had you know beer wine vodka tequila right like james bond 007 what was his favorite drink yeah. Right. uh shake and not stir is right. a martini yeah. right so um, that's what people enjoy drinking and then so, you know, unfortunately people stopped drinking whiskey, a lot of great distilleries, you know, went out of business and, um, you know places like Sissel Weller um, the whole Pappy Van Winkle thing, right, so um, uh, you had just a lot of people changing their palates and it's just cyclical and then so now, you know another 30 years later you're, 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 you're I was drinking vodka uh, 20 years or maybe, uh, uh, 15, 20 years ago. And then now the next generation, they're like, okay, well there's vodka. Yes, I know. But what's different, you know, what's this brown spirit that, uh, is, is very characterful, very flavorful. Um, I want to try, I want to get to know it. I want to learn more about it. And then, so, um, you know, this, this again, so just like anything, right. It's going to be cyclical again, you know, so maybe another 10 years or so, Whiskey's going to be on the downward trend. Don't, don't say that. <laughs>
0: That's blasphemy. Don't say that. There was something for All you, yeah. and, and I'm curious. There's something for you that clicked mm-hmm. to say, I want to learn about this spirit. Yes. I want to learn the history. I want to learn and gain knowledge. And not only that, from what you learned, you wanted to begin to impart that to other people. Mm-hmm. So you know, was there a moment – I mean, obviously, there may not have been an exact moment – it may have progressed a little bit, but where you said whiskey's my thing, yeah. this is going to be my thing, you know, for some people, it could be, you know, working out, lifting weights. It could be biking. It could be yoga. It could be vodka. It could be tequila. It could be just food. What was it that, that, that center for you that became whiskey?
1: Well, so I, I so I'm, I'm, I've always been kind of like the guy who wanted to do things that other people maybe aren't doing. Okay. Right? So in college, I started a fraternity, um, you know, professionally, I started my own company, I'm an entrepreneur, um, and, um, in regards to something just social or just a hobby that I want to do five years ago, you know, well, yeah, before we came around in Philadelphia, there wasn't any, you know, uh, whiskey club or anything like that in, in the tri-state area. And not that I know, not that I knew right. of at least. Right. So I was like, well, I I enjoy whiskey, I want to, I've always enjoyed whiskey, like I said, with starting with Gentleman Jack, and um, I wanted to learn more about whiskey. And so I essentially just was, I just wanted to gather people around and, and get together and drink whiskey. And then so I went online, I started a meetup group, I started a Facebook group. Uh, and people gravitated, and so you know now our now our Facebook group, the Philadelphia Voices Society, has about twelve hundred or so people in it. But I mean, three four three years ago, um, maybe we had like two or three hundred people, right? So, um, it you know we've seen a lot of growth, but also people started coming to the events and asking questions, and so. Back then, I knew a little bit about whiskey, but I didn't know all the ins and outs of whiskey. So I wanted to be a good uh, club leader by being able to answer people's questions, right? So I started doing more studying. I started getting certifications, WSET, Whiskey Ambassador, uh, Bourbon Steward, Bar Smarts, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I I have several. Um, and I still don't know. I, mean, I don't think I'll ever know everything there is. You
0: still don't now. want to stop learning. <laughs> no, I don't. It's right. something that's your passion. Right. And again, I mean, in this space, I mean, I'm looking at the whole space is something whiskey related. At yeah. every corner of your space <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know i just that that over that that overwhelms me in understanding that that that's something that you've immersed yourself into oh definitely definitely
1: you know just like you know people might be into basketball or football right. and they or like is it working out or whatever they 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 know the players they know the stats you know they know you know you know what's their uh uh, uh percentages and et cetera, et cetera. and then so i've done that essentially with whiskey right and so I read I'm listening to uh, um, online online videos and things like that podcasts of course and uh, going to school and uh, getting educated and and it's really just to make me a better uh, um, um, leader in this industry Uh, and so when people come to me and ask questions I have exactly what I say, oh, yes, this is exactly why that is. And as well as since I teach classes now, I also want to be the best instructor and teacher that I can be uh, by being as knowledgeable as I can be. uh, So my students can gain uh, as much knowledge as I'm able to give them.
0: (laughs) Is there an area that, you know, you say you're always learning, you're always looking and become knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Is an area that you're looking to learn more about right now? Is there an area that you feel is a a growing, uh, you know, whiskey area? Or, or are there things that you're curious about right now that you want to learn more about in the whiskey in the whiskey side of things? Uh, well, so I think
1: um, my whiskey geekdom. Okay, I <laughs> so like actually, it. Yeah, um, you know. So you you first you learn about different categories and things like that, and I think the natural progression of. Learning about whiskey is essentially the, the science and the, uh, um, uh, the distillation component, component of whiskey, right? So that's all the chemistry and things like that. Uh, and so that's kind of like the kind of the high, high, higher up geekiness that you get into and I'm, I'm so that's the that's the part right now I'm, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about doing more reading about and uh, as well as um, um, just kind of studying more that those numbers and things about you know fermentation things about distillation uh, and I'm also trying to actually get some hands-on experience too. So
0: what kind of hands-on experience?
1: Yeah. Well, so as you know, Philadelphia, um, it, we, we have, we have several craft distilleries where we
0: are right now. Yeah. There are, you can
1: walk to five of them. <laughs> yeah, very, exactly. very yeah. easy. So we have several craft distilleries in the area. And so I volunteer at a local distillery.
0: You're allowed and, to name the distillery. Okay. They're probably red, friends of the podcast as
1: well. Okay. Yeah. So uh, red brick distillery. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I volunteer there, and it's just you know simple things. I'm not like you know distilling or anything like that, but I do volunteer there, so I get to see kind of the operations. and things I'm surprised like
0: that. No, I, there's no still in here, I'm, I'm, <laughs> unless you put it away and you hit it. <laughs> it's, in the,
1: it's in the basement. It's in the it's basement. In the yeah. No, but I actually did think about getting the grainfather, which is a uh, which is a, uh, um, a full kind of still uh, setup. Yes. But you're technically not supposed to uh, distill at home. So, I don't have it technically. So, right? even if there was
0: one here, you don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Right. right exactly. Um, but yeah. But so. that's on my mind too just to share mm-hmm. that it's just as I get more and more into and, and respecting and appreciating all spirits, uh-huh. just starting to distill something. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's just understanding. It's just understand how that
1: all works and the science behind it i think it's very fascinating you know and from the very first people that started doing it uh, because it was all part of alchemy right and so uh, uh changing something from from uh, liquid to vapor to back to liquid again that was kind of like magic right to the to the uneducated person you know several hundred years ago right uh until until it became a medicinal thing right and so um, it's just, it's just been a, it's all, you know, any kind of spirit's always been with us, you know, since the beginning, you know, even before distilled spirits, there was uh, wine, there was well, yeah, fermentation, vida, fermentation, right? fermentated, fermented, ferment, fermented adventures, right? right. So, right. all this, all this stuff. So, uh, essentially alcohol, yeast, all these things were around us at all times. We just didn't even know what was happening. It's like, why was this becoming, uh, alcoholic? We don't, we didn't know the first people that, that that it happened to um, but it's because of the yeast that was around some grapes and then they started to uh, eat the sugar and then the sugar turned into uh, alcohol and they're like and they drank it and they're like this is interesting why why is this happening right so people didn't even know why it was happening and then uh, it wasn't until much much later and they're like okay so this is this is science behind it so I still think there's still a lot of things to explore in that space even with you know, in today's world with maturation, you know the, the 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 code that every everybody's trying to crack is how can we how can we age a spirit in less time, right? So um, right now, because there's so much whiskey being drank, there's you're seeing a lot of uh, uh, distilleries um, uh, changing from age stated products to NAS or non age stated products, right. right? And then you have people doing things like, oh, we're going to use you know ultraviolet rays on this whiskey we're gonna use we're gonna blast like rock and roll to to uh you know the cre- vibration vibration yes cast to to speed up or we're gonna use weather we're gonna put it in the desert we're gonna put put it in a uh, uh container in the desert and let it you know fast you know that that fast maturation you know places like india taiwan um, they're also, you know, use, u- using the weather to their benefit. Um, but uh, people like the Japanese, or they're playing around with the yeast, the, the, the temperature of the fermentation, and uh, um, uh, as well as distillation, all this stuff. So just, I think, I think it's really exciting to just think about all that stuff that's happening right now in the in the past five to ten years that really was never happening ever. In the world of the still spirits.
0: And I think that becomes the exciting part Mm -hmm. where there's always something new to talk about. Yeah. You know, how do you pick the rock and roll song (laughs) that you believe is going to affect, you know, that barrel? (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, right. right. The thing is, and I don't know if it just goes back to this. Uh, It's just patience. Yes. It's just understanding that what you are eventually going to get into the bottle is going to take time. Yes. We are very you know, we we are we, we benefit now from where we are that right. a number of the distilleries as we talked about in this area are now reaching ages of four and five and six years old where what they have waited on and most of them yeah. can come out and, and, and red brick has you know gone from the beginning of, of creating a whiskey-based spirit. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them start with a, a, a clear spirit mm-hmm. because you open the doors, you've got to start to make money, mm-hmm. you've got to monetize. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be patient if you're filling up a 55-gallon barrel to wait four <laughs> years or three years. Yeah. In most cases, nobody wants to wait, you know, the 24, 25 months. Right. They're waiting for that really quality product. Yeah. And that's, that's really, you know, for us... It, we're benefiting now yeah. from the experience of what a lot of these these distilleries are, are doing, but yeah, if if there's a way to speed it up, I think that's one thing. Yeah. You know, in terms of age statements, I you know I'd like to get your opinion on age statements um, and and where you, do you think that's important, or do you think it's only important in certain certain regions? How do you feel about that?
1: Well, you know, so before we talk about age statement, I also want to talk about you know another spirit that's. Experiencing a boom right now, and that's gin.
0: Okay, yep, right? absolutely. So,
1: um, you're talking about distilleries needing to turn a profit right away while their uh, brown spirits age in barrels, which will take, you know, sometimes, well, so at minimum, sometimes uh, six months that, that a craft distillery is putting out, but sometimes they're maybe 10 months or, or one year or maybe even uh, two years, whatnot, right? So, they want to let that rest, but then. I need cash flow now. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So gin is one of those things that essentially I can macerate my botanicals and then I can uh, distill it and I can bottle it without aging. And there's actually some people like, uh, uh, Blue Coat, uh, Blue Coat gin, which they're doing a aged barrel aged gin, oh, they, which is it's very it's interesting, the, right? It's, it's a it, Delicious yeah. barrel aged gin. It's, it's very interesting, yes. right? So you're, so you're, you know, so you're seeing a lot of just kind of like, you know, um, cross use of things like you know barrel aged uh beer barrel uh, bourbon barrel aged beer bourbon barrel aged wines right and you're and you're seeing a uh, barrel aged gin and things like that so um <clears throat> you know things are happening uh gin is blowing up right and uh gin i've had some really interesting gins as well like um, few out in Chicago, they do a uh, a breakfast gin, which actually infuse um, uh, tea, like uh, a red uh, uh, Earl Grey tea, I believe it was, into their gin, and it actually is very interesting. And or like Brockman's, where they use blueberry blueberries, and they do a blueberry kind of type gin, right? Um, so gin is also that is becoming so popular because you have all these craft distilleries, um, you know. Wanting to make something to turn a profit and gin is that answer for them because it can create something unique um, that belongs to them,
0: right? And what was the second question? Well, I, I, you know, in in hearing you say that, because that's touching on one of the things you and I discussed just briefly in the podcast, let's face it, the gin today, and as it relates to that new, that new, um, that new society Uh or that new segment of, you know, where we are growing up, Uh we don't want to drink... Our father and mother's gin. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: You know, we don't want to drink the London Dry. Yeah, right. Yeah. You the, know, the beef eater, maybe not, Right. We yeah. want to drink. We want to drink something that's botanical forward. Yeah. Something that has urban herb, herbs and and flavors and citrus and spices. Yes. So that's that other conversation. The the dovetails from that to say, yeah, it, it is gin, and you take the recipe and make gin, and you could do it somewhat quickly. Yeah. But then you get more creative with it. And you really Absolutely. put out something now that people it's are saying, well, you have you had this gin? Because if you're familiar, I, I know a lot of people and you've probably had this conversation. I don't like gin. People will say, "I don't like gin." Well, what have you had?
1: Right. I, I've drunk, you know,
0: I, like you said, I've I've had the the more Lovely you know dry gin, yeah, my like more traditional gin. Right. Well, here, right. try but that today,
1: yeah, barrel aged gins, right. the thing now, right?
0: Try this. Well, what is this? Is gin?
1: Yeah, blueberry gin. Like Absolutely, Brockman. I love Brock, Brockman's Like my favorite gin, so okay,
0: you know.
1: <laughs> we'll give him, we'll give Brockman a, a yeah, big well, plug on there. Yeah, right. That's great. Um. So yeah, so you know, gin is just one of those things that. Um, like a brown spirit, you can be creative and you can have your distillery character, right? I mean, vodka, I mean, not to knock vodka or anything like that, you know, you have maybe uh, different ways of distilling. Maybe they say, oh, it's distilled 10 times or five times, and we filter it through, you know, diamonds or something like that, right? You know, so there's a lot of, you know, but vodka essentially is a uh, new, supposed to be a neutral spirit, right? So, you're not getting as much of that distillery character as you can with maybe a gin or like let's say uh, a a whiskey or something along those lines, right? So, um, yeah. What what <laughs> is
0: what is nice, and we're fortunate to experience right now, especially with craft distillation and the, and the, the distilleries right now, is they're finding other mediums. To distill and make vodka out of. It. I just had a breadfruit vodka. Oh. Okay. Um, Chesapeake Bay. Right,
1: okay. Yeah, so different flavored vodkas, yes.
0: That's yeah. not a. it's not a that's not a flavored vodka. Okay. It's it's just they're taking something which is breadfruit. Oh, okay. So they're and, using that. And they're to using ferment. that okay. to okay. ferment. Okay. Still, um, oh, very interesting. Yeah. Um and the other thing is seeing that there are distilleries, they're taking vodka and they're going the way of gin yeah. by infusing or macerating or introducing um, herbs and yeah. spices and things into the distillation yeah. process. I just talked to somebody about there's a P and E vodka out of um, out of New York, yeah. And they're becoming more botanical forward. They're becoming okay. more spice forward. Without you know, and we we've all you know right. we've gotten into all the the citron and yeah, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> the absolute the yeah. flavored vodkas. Right. But these are going to the heart through the distillation oh, process. Okay,
1: that's very interesting.
0: But but that's what we that's the that's the part where we get to benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because. Somebody comes up with an idea, they can fire up the still, do a couple of runs, and see if it's going to work. Yes. If it doesn't, okay, it doesn't work. Yes. You can't turn the big battleship around... If you're a major player <laughs> right, in the yeah. spirits industry, yeah, yeah. just to sh- just to shut that down, and I'm sure right. they're doing plenty of R and D, but right. but again, I think that's that's the other conversation. I, I want to talk to you and and, and get to you know, know- talking about the age thing. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, we, we were talking question. about the age statement. Yeah, 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 exactly. Is that important to you? Uh, well, you know, so
1: I think age is definitely a factor, right? So, um. I think for a certain category of spirit, so for maybe your uh, more ultra-premium spirits, right, you're really paying for that age, right? But I think for your more, I would say your daily drinkers, what not, um, I think age is not as much of an issue. For example, um, I'm a big fan of Amrut. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Kavalon. Uh, Omar, Paul John, um, these whiskeys from India and Taiwan, um, on average, they're being aged less than six, seven years. Okay. Maybe eight years, you know, around, along those lines. Right. So, you know, in Scotland, we're gonna see angel share maybe one to two, maybe three percent, but mostly one to two percent in Scotland, and then in Kentucky, I think we're looking at anywhere from like four to six percent. Taiwan, though, and India, they're upward towards seven to ten percent. Wow. Okay. So we're talking about uh, three to four times the angel share that Scotland is experiencing. Right. And so, you know, does that help? I, I, I believe it does. Right. So I'm, I definitely just, I definitely can't age something in India 25 years like I can in Scotland when, when where the, the temperature is very mild and, 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 and cool. Right. If I age something for 25 years in India, after 25 years, there's not gonna be anything left. It's just gonna be an empty cask, right? So, um, so I don't think I don't think age matters as much in those different regions. Now, um, taking age statements off of Scotch whiskies, though, I think is a little different story.
0: Do you think it really comes <laughs> down to branding and yeah. and people's expectation yes. that yeah. they're gonna see this specific distillery? this specific age, and it almost, you know, and you can speak probably very yeah. well to you may have had a 12 year yeah. that you enjoyed more than a 15 year. Yes. So the understanding is just because it says it's yeah. your palate, yeah, just because exactly. this is 15, right. 18, whatever that time frame, it right. doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's going to be more appropriate or more enjoyable right. for you. And then the other thing I think that that comes into that is whether it's a single barrel Mm -hmm. or it's a blend. Right. Because if you're talking about where did did that barrel get stored in that different, you know, holding area, is it higher, is it lower?
1: Yeah, with bourbon,
0: yeah. You know, with bourbon or like you said – where what was the what was the season that year yeah, yeah, yeah. was it hotter yeah. was it colder right right so you could have a lot of different nuances affecting that angel share and then again it also comes down to the barrel the construction yeah. the the staves the and grain the size of the barrel. yep the grain was all it that stuff a
1: sherry stuff. cask or a pork cask or if it's when we're talking about scotch whiskey or single malts um yeah i mean so there's there's just so many variables there right and then so you have a lot of distilleries just you know it's okay we're just going to put away you know these casks here for five years ten years and we're going to see how it turns out right and uh, sometimes it turns out good and sometimes it turns out really bad right um so i think in terms of age statements it doesn't mean everything but it can it is definitely a piece of the puzzle right so uh, if i really like this particular distillery um you know right now i'm a really big fan of the daoyun distillery right now and i've been doing a lot of uh uh, um, side-by-sides in terms of their younger spirit and then something like a 28 year old um, from that same distillery but then um um, some of these some of these spirits some some of the whiskeys i've had from this distillery because of the type of cast they use it also had a very very large Uh, uh, influence on it right the first that first fill sherry cast is gonna in 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 this particular situation where i tried it it tasted a lot better than the second fill or the third fill the cast strength uh contained you know had a lot more flavors than you know the 40 or 43 or 46 abv bottling right so i think i don't think well so it kind of i'm 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 being long-winded here but i think people shouldn't only look at the the age it should be a a part of your decision making process but you have to find what is that profile you like what is that distillery you like you know what is that uh the cask type that you like um you know you know craft distilleries that use a lot of small casts right and uh, your large distillery is going to use your standard bourbon cast uh 53 gallon bourbon cast right and uh um and so Different casts are going to influence the whiskey, and I think uh, people have more, should educate themselves to learn more about what is that profile that they like, instead of just looking. Oh, this is 15 years, this is 18 years. I'm just going to buy that because that 15, 18 year is going to cost you more money, but it ne- doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the best whiskey you've ever had. Just because you know I've had some you know fairly old whiskey that you know tasted extremely oaky and it wasn't really that great,
0: right? And again, somebody's palate may say, I enjoy that oakiness, that's what I'm looking for in a whiskey, and it suits them fine. Yes. And I'm sure these are a lot of the conversations that you're having with the Philadelphia Whiskey Society, Mm -hmm. where you're educating, you're creating a dialogue, Mm -hmm. and everybody gets to bring into the whole conversation their likes and dislikes and their opinions of what you're trying and everything that, that you're bringing to the table. So the Whiskey Society is now how old? Uh, so we're about three years old. Three years old. Mm-hmm. And how did that specifically get started? Was it out of the Facebook group? Was it just out of the meetup?
1: Yeah, yeah the and Facebook you s- group meetup uh, and just me just, you know, bring my friends together and say, hey, let's let's drink. You know, I still remember probably one of our uh, first meetings was just I just posted on meetup.com and and uh, you know, people showed up, and I was like, "Oh, wow, cool!" People, you know, tons of lots of people showed up. And we think we think we maybe had a close to about twenty people show up that, for a meetup. And uh, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's great!" And I felt like there was something there. There was an interest there. And then so um, I'm I'm very involved in social media. If you guys are in the group or whatnot you see me posting a lot but it takes a lot of work and and you know right. as well right you know as well social media all this stuff takes a lot of work and to build a group from like zero to even just 1200 people uh has taken quite a bit of time and uh but now we have a really solid, solid group of people we have people involved uh we have uh, events and tastings once a month. Um, our next events with Single Cast Nation, which I'm also a big fan of. Uh, they're coming actually tomorrow to Philadelphia. But the events, you know, booked up. We have 30 people attending the event. Uh, we have Glenmore and GR Bag scheduled in September. We have route coming. Uh, we have SMWS coming to Philadelphia. So um, you know, you know, the 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 club is in a really great position and um it's getting the attention you know people are noticing us and the brands are coming in doing events with us and uh and people are reaping the benefits they get to try a bunch of stuff they get to learn a lot more and it's it's good for us it's good for the brands the brands are selling more whiskey you know we're learning about whiskey we're getting to taste a lot more whiskey and we're becoming more refined and so we're buying better whiskey, right? And then so when you're buying better whiskey, the, the probability for a company is going to go up versus – you know, uh, selling your everyday, you know, 10 or $20 whiskey, you know, we, we do group orders of like $200 whiskey. I, I
0: see this table. This is a pretty big group order here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So we're, now we have about now, now, 20 so tell, bottles next to
0: us. Talk right about that whiskey there that's even on the table. <clears throat> okay, all right. Well, so this
1: is very interesting. So this is a Japanese whiskey uh, called the uh, Matsui um and so it was it was actually distilled at the Kurayoshi distillery in Japan and uh, so they have a uh, they have a couple uh, they have several different brands um and some of them are are uh, blends that they've sourced this with sourced whiskey so in america we have you know places like High West Whistle Pig you know they source their whiskey and they're making great whiskey they're blending great stuff you know not you know not to discount anything that they're doing um so in Japanese in Japan because there's just not as many distilleries in Japan like there is in, in you know, Kentucky or just in the United States or all, you know, 100-some, 120-some Scotch distilleries in, in Scotland. Um, there's just not that big of a source for Japanese whiskey that like you I can just go to MGP uh, like, a, like, like a distillery and say, oh, I want to buy this whiskey from, from this year and this bourbon and this rye or whatever, right? so um a lot of japanese whiskeys will source scotch whiskeys right and they'll you know bring it they'll source it to japan you know maybe do a secondary maturation in mizunara oak or in, in in make their own blends and maybe in their plum wine cast or something like that to make it more japanese right and so um a lot of people are get upset about Oh, there's, there's not as, not as much uh, transparency there, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, but that was, that's a little tangent. But this particular whiskey, uh, as far as the research that I've done, <clears throat> it was, was distilled by, it's distilled in Japan, you know, so it's made in Japan, so it wasn't sourced whiskey. Uh, and it is, and it is a bit young, right? But I think it is very vibrant. It is very refreshing. And, uh, it is, a true Japanese whiskey that's aged in Mizunara oak which is a special indigenous uh, um, wood that's located in Japan they make um, they age a uh, lot of their whiskey in and it imparts a very kind of sandalwood light oak kind of citrusy um, herbaceous kind of uh, note to the whiskey which I think is very unique to that. And so, you know, I just noticed it hit the shelves in in New Jersey and uh, it was repriced fairly competitively at under $90, which you never see Japanese whiskey price. You know, how much is, you know, Yamazaki 18 right now? It's like $600, right? $600, $700 or more. Yes. Right. So for something that's like, you know, under $90, that's truly Japanese and Asian Mizunara oak casks. Mizunara oak casks, just so you know, costs about three times as much as a sherry cask. Which a shared cask is already super expensive at about two grand, but a Mizenar cask could, it could reach up towards $6,000 versus a standard American bourbon cask, maybe it costs about $200, right? So you can see there's a huge, huge <clears throat> difference in terms of just even the cost of the cask. So any kind of whiskey that's been aged Mizenar oak, I think it's, you know, already elevates itself just because the, the, the scarcity and the price of the cask. And, um, um, Matsui, uh, uh, released the Sakura cask, which is the cherry wood, the Miznara cat, Miznara oak cask, and the Pita cask. And I think, um, and they started running their stills, I think, in 2017. So it's, uh, maybe a little less than, t- uh, two years old, a year, a year and a half, year, uh, year and a half, uh, uh maturation cycle there. Um, it's still young. It's, it's, it's a little bit new makey, but like I said, it's very vibrant and uh, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, after I tasted it, I recommended it to my group and we got like, I don't know, 20, you know, 20 some bottles of this. And then, you know, and just I just shared it with the group and the group and people liked it. they and they take my recommendation and we all enjoy it together. It's, you know, that's what it's about.
0: This is the impact that the Philadelphia Whiskey Society is making <clears throat> on the community. Mm-hmm. And in, in just hearing you explain and communicate the history of this specific distillery, their process and everything else, I, I think is a, uh, is a huge benefit to having you right. here in the area and being able to educate and share that knowledge <laughs> with a lot of people. So that, that's, that's really appreciated. Now, you poured us something here. Yeah, yeah, I did. What, what is this that uh, we're, we're going to sample here? So this is very interesting too. So this is
1: going to be a staple expression in the Jim Beam line, right? The Beam Suntory uh, uh, family, but specifically the Jim Beam, right? So Jim Beam hasn't had so a staple uh, uh, product uh, in their life for quite a while. I can't remember exactly how many years it's been. But you know, we all know Jim Beam, White Label. They have you know Double Oak, Double O. They also do Knob Creek, Booker's, Baker's. Uh, they do a lot of the flavor whiskeys as well, right? So this is going to be a new thing that's going to be coming out. It's a little scarce. It is an allocated item, uh, and so we I was able to pick up maybe like twenty some bottles in the Tri-State area for the members just because it isn't, isn't available in the, um, Pennsylvania yet. <clears throat> and so this is very interesting. So this is a Jim Beam straight bourbon Whiskey and then the master uh, uh, blender at Suntory, uh, Shinji Fukuyo. Uh, he's the guy behind the Hibiki blend, right? And then so the Japanese have always been such a, you know, been such great blenders, right? He, he is a just a masterful blend, um, and then so the master blender came and um, uh, took Jim Beam, did a finishing in wine casks as well as sherry casks, and then um, 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 did that secondary maturation, and then blended bourbon with these casks, and uh, and I think the outcome is a very. Uh, balance, sweet. It's got some lovely tannins. If you guys like wine, if you guys are wine drinkers out there. Um, you like sherry. You like those wine. Those uh, that's a, those little tannin notes, like that like grippiness on your tongue and your palate. Um, fruits, grapes, raisins. Um, um, you know those kind of uh, f- uh, fruity, soft fruits, whatnots on the on the nose and the palate. <clears throat> this is a this is a great one uh, and, and it actually is bottled at 47 abv um, so being more of a you know quote-unquote experienced drinker um, i typically like to drink stuff that's over 46 right or i like to drink cast strength or single cast stuff that's 50 or 60 whatnot so sometimes it's like a 40 abv could be a little life for me so this one is actually a 47 abv um, but yeah let's let's nose it what, what, what are you getting here the
0: the nose doesn't have a high proof mm-hmm. in the nose. Mm-hmm. I I I get this sense of I saw buttered movie popcorn. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Corn. I, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, but
0: but it's like a sweet buttered popcorn.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I get a caramel. I mean, almost like a caramel. Caramel yeah, popcorn.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. I I get this mustiness <laughs> of being down in in a basement, but a, mm-hmm. a sweet basement smell. <laughs> sweet basement smell. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, a lot I mean, of caramel. Like, so there's definitely a lot of sweetness on the nose. Yeah, absolutely. Think, but,
0: yeah. but you don't get a huge amount of alcohol on the nose. It's a very, yes. very smooth nose yes. to
1: And I, I think it's still very fresh and clean, um, but with a little bit of musk and a little bit of that, you know, maybe that, mm, that we were talking about, that little uh, basement thing. But yeah. It's kind of a, a, a lingering in the back, but on the front, it's still very vibrant.
0: I get a little oakiness, but not mm. a lot. Mm-hmm. But just just enough to make it very pleasurable, pleasurable notes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so it's very caramel, very. Um, it's still it's still characteristically Jim Beam, but it's it's uh, something totally new. Yeah, it's called a legend, right? So on the palate, I mean, like I said, you get those grippy tannins. It's it's uh, um, uh, um, um, very very pleasant in my
0: opinion. It's yeah, there's, it's a nice dry finish. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a heavy burn. Mm-hmm. It's more of a light cinnamon burn. Mm-hmm. And it also, again, I, I have this feeling like there's this buttered popcorn. Like I just I just grabbed the first <laughs> handful of popcorn at yeah. the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just sitting on the middle of my tongue.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so it is dry, grippy. Um, you're getting some of those. You know, so, you, So I'm definitely getting those kind of red wine, that kind of like that uh, so that little bit of soft gray it, it finishes time, like a yeah. cab
0: mm-hmm. with the dryness in the mouth yeah yeah but I also get the peppery flavor as well there there's the notes of pepper yes um, yes for some reason I feel clove as well mm-hmm. like a, a, an essence baking of clove. spice yeah
1: yeah baking spice clove anise um, but it's sweet. Yeah, it is sweet. Yeah. It
0: is, but not mm-hmm. overpoweringly. Right. Wow, this is just you could sip that, and that's just a nice, nice item.
1: Yeah, I think it's just an easy, easy sipper. Um, like I said, I, I love sherry Cast. I love wine Cast whiskies, right? And this is the first time that Jimmy's ever done this. And this is this is what I'm talking about. It's just this is an exciting time to be a whiskey drinker because you're getting all this, you know, uh, you know, traditional Jim Beam. Like even traditional Jim Beam is doing something
0: experimental, right? How do you not get overwhelmed? (laughs) I mean, it's 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 like walking in and there's so much to see. Yeah. How do you? It's kind of like uh, drinking water from a fire hydrant. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or or walking in and there's like 800 fire hydrants. Which one do I choose <laughs> yeah, to drink right. from first?
1: Right, exactly. right. This is so much, right? So yeah, and that's the interesting. So you, you know, I could I could sit around all day and just kind of read blogs and read articles and whatnot, and and you know, and the whole day would go by, right? So. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a lot of cool stuff happening, and then something like this is just uh, um, I think just you know an indicator of what's what's to come, right? So, um, uh, Japanese whiskey is doing so great, you know. Bourbon's doing so great, you know. Why not kind of mix those two worlds together and uh, create something also great? Right. And uh, I like it. I enjoy it. Some people, some people, you know, so I've got, you know, so it's, it's, there's also a lot of, so change is also something that people may or may not like, right? So, um, you know, some people embrace change. Some people don't like change.
0: <laughs> but that's fair enough. Right. And and realistically, so. there's enough in the market to say if this is what you want, I mean, look, you mentioned, hey, if, if you want this specific Jim Beam product, yeah, it's yeah. there for you. Yeah. If you want a wild turkey, it's there for you. Yeah, exactly. If you want a Macallan's, it's there for you. Yeah, yeah. It's all there. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't – so so the they're not going away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The selection is there. But if you want to try something like this – Something new, interesting. That yeah. Almost somebody has taken the time to say, well, what happens if we mix this and this and this? And this is a, a really. And by the way, it doesn't have a heavy proof mm-hmm. in the flavor either. Yep. If yep. you know, so I, I would pleasant, I would almost yeah. say that that if you ask me, that's an eighty proof all day. Yeah, exactly. To tell me that it's, it's a higher proof, yeah, that, that's exactly. that's very very surprising. Yeah,
1: yeah. I the only th- the only thing I would say, uh, and I've I've written about this in my on my uh, Instagram, the Whiskey Steward, by the way, the, my Instagram, um, is that. Uh, it, it's It finishes a little bit soft. It finishes a little bit soft, and I wish it was just a little bit more robust. Which is very interesting because it is 47, right? So it's not like a 40. But I think because just because of the the, the how well they do the blend, and then uh, also the, the the wine and sherry cast. I think that softens, finishes. It, yeah, it, yeah softens it softens it up, it up yes. a lot, and um, um, it finishes just a little short for me, but. That doesn't that doesn't discount that it's a good whiskey, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's delicious.
1: Yeah, I think it is very delicious.
0: What is in the future for the Philadelphia Whiskey Society? What's in the future for Alex Chang? You you know, what would you like to accomplish? It's 2019. What, what do you look? You know, this is this is the uh, job interview question. So, where do you see yeah. yourself in five years?
1: Yeah. So. Um, um, so the PWS or Philadelphia Society is growing and, you know, we have some great people. I want to give also a shout out to uh, uh, a my, my uh, uh, co-organizer at the Philadelphia Society, Jeff Lippman. Uh, Jeff, he also runs Care- hearing- JeffreyScottWhiskey.com. And he's just been a great uh, support of the club and, you know, helping to, you know, uh, organize He's a successful lawyer, and so lawyers drink whiskey, right? So, so, um, um, but we have some really great people just helping out. We have a lot of great supportive people just attending our events, and and people are just really excited to be a part of the club and come to our events and learn and whatnot. So, I definitely want to. I definitely want to see the Philadelphia Society grow more, and also want to be able to um, um, encourage. People in Philadelphia in the industry to join us for events and things like that. So there's always, so I've noticed, you know, so I'm also part of the USBG, which is also the, uh, which is the United States Bartenders Guild, which is a great organization for industry folks, right? And then so PWS is a great organization for uh consumers right so i like to see more of that intermingling of knowledgeable industry folks with the consumers right because i interact with I, i feel like they have a lot of great events and a lot of uh, industry bartenders uh, go to that and uh, you don't see much consumers there. And same, same, same way, you know, you see a lot of uh, some great consumer events. You don't see as many uh, industry folks there.
0: The only time those two facets are coming together yeah. is when somebody steps up to the bar. <laughs> and they're they're making that cocktail and the consumer's drinking. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Exactly. But but I think what you're saying is now you can bring those two worlds together, share knowledge and mm-hmm. experience and history. Right. And right. and really bring that that whole experience almost full circle
1: right right exactly because you have a lot of great you know we have a lot of great bartenders here in philadelphia and knowledgeable people in usbg and i would love to just tap into them as a resource or just knowledgeable people in general right uh, brand ambassadors um uh, bartenders um you know educators whatnot wine and spirits educators etc cetera, etc cetera, right and i think there's there's a lot of opportunity there to connect those two groups right and me as a also a whiskey uh, educator as well i teach uh, whiskey ambassador courses here i teach uh, um, bourbon steward courses i do some consulting Uh, i also do consulting and uh, teaching in taiwan and asia (laughs) okay so So um, I do some um, consulting in Taiwan for some brands that represent uh, Brown Foreman in Taiwan and teach them about American whiskey and tasting and things like that. So I travel a lot between uh, here and Taiwan as well. And so I want to be able to kind of globalize the whiskey experience, right? Be able to share... You know uh, American whiskey in Taiwan and Taiwanese or Asian whiskey in America and you know Scotch whiskey with you know America and Taiwan and um, and be able to kind of bring all those worlds together and I think have you
0: led tours yet. Are you lo- are you, have you led tours yet? Are you looking to bring a bunch of people over with you? Yeah, yeah. You- so
1: that's that's actually something that I'm that I'm looking to do in the future because you may not know this, but Taiwan is consistently in the top five, top five to ten uh, most whiskey consumed uh, on, from a value standpoint in the world. Right, and Taiwan's got about 20 million people. Number one is who, right? Is going to be the United States. We have about 300 some million people. You know, um, you know, Scotch whiskey wise, you know, I think they just broke 1 billion pounds in sales, right? And uh, Taiwan being just 20 million people, we're in the top. Uh, so Taiwan is in the top. You know, uh, at 2016, was in the top four, right? And it followed, you know, so U.S., uh, France. Uh, Singapore and then Taiwan in 2016. That those were the top four, right? So, you know, some place like Taiwan with only 20 million people, how do they become, you know, in the top four in the world? Right? That's a lot of whiskey being consumed, <laughs> right? Isn't right. It? And so, and so, there's also well, there's a big there's a there's a I'm actually working on a paper. Uh, on that with um, um, actually my wife my wife's an educator as well in Taiwan and uh, we're working on a paper together in exploring why that is right and the, and why Taiwan is, is kind of essentially the perfect storm for a great Scotch whiskey uh, and so you're going to see some really amazing Scotch whiskey in Taiwan that you'll never see anywhere else you're, you're also going to have a lot of Taiwan exclusive whiskies. Uh, rare whiskeys, old whiskeys, and the price is probably going to be anywhere from uh, half to maybe two-thirds that of here in the United States is because taxes are also extremely low on spirits in Taiwan, right? So, you know, for the person that loves whiskey, you know, you could take a flight for $800 over there, but you can drink like a king, right? <laughs> so
0: So the question is, when are you when organizing it, yeah, yeah, the so. <laughs> tour or the group to go over and and, and, and really go through and sample and, and visit some of these great distilleries? Yeah, and-, and also
1: there's Kavalon, Omar there now. Yeah, so that's something in the works. Obviously, that's going to be a huge, huge project. Right. Uh, I'm actually in the process of um, setting up a company in Taiwan and as well as possibly looking at maybe some imports and exports uh, back and forth from Taiwan to here or here or there. Etc. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's, that's all part of my, essentially my quote unquote plan okay. to, uh, become more of a global, uh, global influencer, if you will, in the whiskey industry, right? So in terms of education, in terms of, um, uh, events, right? I'm actually putting on a, a uh whiskey exhibition in taiwan in september 21 if anybody's in that part of the world september 21 okay come and uh, see me in taiwan and i'm putting on a uh, whiskey exhibition there and um so i'm so that's all part of the whole you know uh, global whiskey influencer uh uh, uh, approach them the path that that i'm exploring right now yeah
0: Is there anything that we didn't get a chance to touch on that you wanted to mention in the podcast? Anything you want people to understand, know more about you, you want to share? Uh, Yeah. Well,
1: so if anybody wants to just kind of follow me on my adventures, you know, so I visit yeah, I visit distilleries in Japan, Taiwan, the US, Kentucky, you know, various craft distilleries, right? I post a lot of this stuff on Instagram. And so you can follow me on Instagram, the whiskey steward, um, you know, you can spell whiskey without the E in this situation. Or if you actually look up Whiskey steward with the E, you'll still find me. Okay. Because I have hashtags on both, <laughs> for both, just, in, just for people, just for everybody, you know, so don't miss me. Um, but yeah, follow me on there or if you're in the local, like, Mid-Atlantic, Tri-State area, search for us on Facebook, the Philadelphia Whiskey Society. Um, uh, Philadelphia Whiskey Society is spelled with the E in whiskey, though. Um, so yeah, search for us and get connected. Um, you know, if you're interested in in uh, whiskey ambassador certification courses, I also teach those classes. Coming up is uh, Ju- uh, July twenty first. I'll be teaching in here in Philadelphia. In October, I'll be teaching in Pittsburgh and Maryland. And then in September, I'll be teaching a class in Taiwan. So. You know, it's it's easy to easy to find me if you want to find me.
0: <laughs> you know what? I, and I think people should find you. Yeah. And I think people should seek out your group. And yeah. I, I really am grateful for our time today. And I look forward to more conversations about whiskey and spirits and uh, your your knowledge and your passion for for all things spirits, but mostly whiskey. It really comes out and it really yeah. is transferred. And 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 I can hear it. And I'm I'm grateful for your time today.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm grateful for your time. Thank you very much. Great, thank you. Thank you.